360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And tonight, we help wrap up the fun drive, in a sense, with another powerful show, including more black history. On tonight's show, We'll get a community update on the case of Angelo Quinto, a young man who died in police custody after the family says police used a knee-on-the-neck technique in their Antioch home. The family is holding a birthday candlelight vigil. We'll also hear Bring It Forward, a special production focusing on the Harlem Renaissance produced by First Voice graduate Theodora Adkins. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Free Will and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch, Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is, yes, Freewell and Franklin. I'm still here, and I am your host tonight. I'm also a graduate of that program. And before I jump into the show tonight, I just wanted to remind you all that we are still working to raise funds tonight. Many of you will remember the devastating weather in Texas had shut down our call center at the beginning of the fund drive. So we are rolling up our sleeves to see if we can close the gap. You can donate anytime by going to kpfa.org or by calling 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. So if you are able to help us out tonight, please do so during Full Circle by going to kpfa.org or calling the number 1-800-HEY-KPFA. There are many thank you gifts to choose from on the website also. Anyone who donates any amount and leaves their email will receive the Knowledge is Power audio collection featuring Maya Angelou and Langston Hughes. But let's get the show going tonight. And remember, you can call or click kpfa.org anytime to make a donation to this critical information outlet. And some critical information for you we have tonight to kick off our show. As many of you may be aware of on December 23rd, 2020, the Quinto family in Antioch called the police for help for their son, Angelo, who was having a mental health crisis at the moment. I'm sure many KPFA listeners can feel, uh, can fill in the rest. It ended in the tragic death of Angelo Quinto. According to the family and their attorneys, Angelo became unresponsive and died in their home after police used the controversial knee-to-the-neck technique. Antioch Police Tammany Brooks made a statement denying the procedure was used, and the Police Officers Association has also basically called the family liars. 
Despite all of these attacks, the family and the community are pushing forward for justice for Angelo Quinto and have vowed to make change so other families may not be subjected to this treatment. Community organizations from Antioch, the Bay Area, and actually across the nation are coming together to support the family on Angelo's birthday, March 10th, out here in Antioch. I spoke with one of the organizers for details. Check it out. All right, greetings, everyone. This is Free Will and Franklin here on Full Circle KPFA, and I'm speaking with Allison Tintianco Kubalis, a professor of ethnic studies at San Francisco State University here in the Bay Area. And of course, he's here to speak with us about the upcoming candlelight birthday vigil for Angelo Quinto here in Antioch. Um, welcome to KPFA and Full Circle, Allison. Thank you. And thanks for helping out the family um, organizing this event. Of course, the community is behind them. And so we really want to be able to support every bit of their work. So the family has been going through, um, you could imagine, as we all do, uh, kind of a roller coaster of emotions these um, last couple months, and especially the last few days. Um, the Antioch police have basically come out and um, blamed Angelo for his own death virtually, um, saying that there was no knee to the neck, there was no suffocation or strangulation, and the POA also came out with a statement and has basically called the family a liar. So I know the family is struggling and kind of like a gut punch to them um, these past couple of days, but they do have plans for the future next week to honor their son, Angelo Quinto. And Allison, you're a big part of that. So you want to tell us what's happening out here in Antioch on Wednesday? Sure. Um, as part of the Justice for Angelo Quinto, Justice for All Coalition, we're supporting the family they're putting on a vigil for their son, for their brother, for their nephew. And we are there to celebrate his life. It's been a tough few months. Um, and I, like you said, a tough couple of days, but we're seeing this vigil as a time to honor and celebrate his life. And just real quick for everybody, so you can hear it now and then we'll repeat it again. This will be Wednesday, 5 p.m. at the Antioch City Park at the corners of 10th and A Street. And what's going on for the vigil? I understand this is going to be um, quite an event. Uh, tell us some of the things that might be going on that people could expect out there. And what are you asking from the community at large? March 10th. Wednesday is his actual birthday. So it's Angelo Quinto's would have been 31st birthday. And so we really want to give him a celebration. Um, the focus will be primarily on presenting culture, art, performance, um, some words from the family and community who are in support of Angelo Quinto's campaign. Um, so it's going to be celebratory in nature and we're really trying to make sure you know like that we celebrate all the things that he was about um his art um he loved music um he loved his family and so we really want to be able to put that forth in this vigil definitely going to have aztec dancers um and we're gonna we're, we're hoping to have some poetry some music 
Um, there will be some announcements of community folks and some people who are in support of the campaign. Um, it will be um, online, virtual as well. Um, and so people who aren't able to come to Antioch will be able to see it um, via YouTube, Facebook Live, um, and in other forms. And there is a large group of Filipino organizations that have come together Tell us about some of the organizations that have come to better, uh, come together for this and how many there are and why this is important that the community um, has rallied around the family. So we learned about this. Many of us learned about it only last Sunday. And within a week, we're able to organize ourselves. We are coming together uh, primarily as a bunch of Filipino organizations, but it's not just Filipino organizations. Um, we've had a lot of justice organizations um, and also those who are in solidarity with our community and also in solidarity with Angelo Quinto and his family who have come forward. We have 161 organizations that have signed on to our community letter that was sent to the mayor and sent to the council and sent to the police. And so that's huge. Just in a week, all these people across the nation are very upset, outraged at what has happened in Antioch. And we want to make sure that Antioch is accountable for the things that have happened to Angela Quinto and his family. Um, along with that, we have uh, developed a petition that now has almost 47,000 signatures from across the nation. Um, and it's really important that although it's it's important for Antioch to make sure that it uh, keeps its its um, citizens safe, it's also important to know that the nation is watching. That's right. And can you name the petition or some social media real quick that people can follow and stay aware of what's going on? And that's great. That's got so many signatures already. Yeah, it's moved very fast in the last um, week. So you can get the, uh, the petition over at change.org and you can just look for just, justice for Angelo Quinto. Um, you can also look at any social media platform and do the hashtag justice for Angelo Quinto and you can see a lot of different um, pieces of things happening across the nation. And just for everybody out there, that's Q-U-I-N-T-O. Quinto, Angelo Quinto, Q-U-I-N-T-O. Okay, so we talked about this is Wednesday, March 10th, Angelo's birthday at the Antioch City Park. Is everybody invited? What's going on with the community? How would you like to, um, you know, invite people? Is this family only? What's going on? No, this is a public event. Um, we're hoping that people who, who feel safe, um, who feel well can come through to the event in Antioch at Antioch City Park. Um, we want people to make sure that they wear masks um, and that they abide by social distancing protocol. Everyone is welcome. The park is very big and so it allows for a lot of space. Um, it'll be outside. Um, we will start at five o'clock start lighting our candles and experiencing the performances and the speakers. And I, I do also know that the family, there may be some performances specifically from the family. And um, we're excited to, to be able to support them um, and then also to celebrate Angelo's life. And I understand that the family is asking for certain um, calls 
of action by the government and even the state, if possible, um, no knee to the neck. Also, they want um, blood and urine samples released. Well, that is so that the family can do their own toxicology reports and stuff like that. What is the family asking from the community and from the city government? They're definitely asking for those things that you mentioned, along with um, supporting um, the changes that need to happen with the police specifically in Antioch. I think what's key is they really want transparency and accountability. They want to make sure that there is some type of transparency and accountability from Antioch, from Antioch Council, from Antioch the mayor, from Antioch the police, right? And, and that they really understand that this is, this is something that they cannot cover up and that the family are not liars and that Angelo's life deserves to be honored and celebrated. That's right. And we will be doing that again. That will be Wednesday at the Antioch City Park, 5 p.m., the corner of 10th and A Streets. Now, you mentioned the mayor and the city council. There have been um, a lot of movement in the Antioch government. The mayor, the city council recently in this last election in November have basically flipped. It's the first time Antioch has had a majority of people of color um, on the board, uh, board, on the council. And they ran, most of them ran on, those three anyways, ran on a platform of police reform. And the mayor has some uh, sweeping changes that he has announced, including a mental health response unit. How do you feel about you know, enacting like mental health response units like cahoots um, that would come out in the mental health call, such as Angelo's, uh, more with a mental health experience? How are you feeling about the mental health response teams? I think that's extremely important, you know, to have mental health response teams. Um, just speaking from my background, I'm from ethnic studies and my focus is on ethnic studies and wellness. I, de- I definitely think these teams are important. I also think that these teams should be culturally responsive. And so it should reflect who the community is. So. However, we begin to move towards those directions, we need to think deeply about who we're sending out to support our communities. And just FYI, out here in Antioch, it seems that the certain citizens out here have now launched a recall campaign on our mayor. And I believe some are actually trying to recall our District 1 city councilwoman. Uh, I don't think it's officially come out yet, but I'm sure they're, they're working on it. Um, Tamisha Walker, who also has a lot to say. You said you had one more thing. What was that? I do have one more thing. We're launching a photo campaign, a justice, um, justice for Angelo Quinto photo campaign. And so we're asking people across the nation to hold up a sign supporting Angelo Quinto and actually writing where they're from so that the city council, the mayor, and the police in Antioch can see that there's support from across the nation. And so if you're interested in doing that, definitely you can post it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and basically hashtag justice for Angelo Quinto. All right. And yeah, I hear a lot of talk on the city council meetings, which I participate in as often as possible, that outsiders call in a lot of the time and 
some of the council members will try to discredit somebody because they're speaking from outside of Antioch. Real quick before we go, talk about why it's important to not only just focus on Antioch. We know this happens across the country. It's statewide. It's nationwide. Um, George Floyd was all the way across the other side of the country, yet we got knees on necks out here in Antioch. Why is it important that we here in Antioch not only listen to Antioch residents and Bay Area residents, but anybody that would happen to call in? Yeah, this problem that we're talking about, particularly with Angelo Quinto's case, is not just Angelo Quinto's problem or that family's problem. This is a national problem. This is a crisis. And so I think it's important for Antioch to know that even though some of us, maybe many of us, are not from Antioch, this affects all of our communities. I mean, just speaking of Angelo's family, Angelo's family is not just in Antioch. Right, I, I, I just met one of his cousins here, you know, like in Fremont, he has cousins in LA, you know, like really important that, you know, what's, what happens to one of our community members, even if, it is, if, even if it is set in Antioch, impacts all of us, impacts our entire community, impacts black indigenous people of color, it impacts our whole nation. And so we are outraged regardless if we live within the boundaries of what is called Antioch. And I guess I would just go out with your personal feelings. And it sounds like you just gave a lot of them there, but you know, you're involved, you're working hard, you're putting time into this, you know, why is this important to you to do stuff like this? I, I will say that when I first found out, when I looked at the picture of Angelo, I really saw my family members. You know, I, I, I saw my cousin, I saw my, you know, my brother-in-law, I saw my husband, I saw all these people when I, and I see my nephews when I see the picture of Angelo. And to me, that means that one of my family members was killed. And so when I think about it, to me, this is very personal. This is very personal. And I, I feel like how important it is. I mean, for many of us, you know, like it's important not only, you know, to think about this as a personal thing. So for sure, for me, when I look at it, you know, he's a Pinoy, you know, like he's a family member like us. And I felt like, wow, you know, we need to do something about it. But for many of us, we've been fighting for this for quite some time. I mean, even before George Floyd. You know, I mean, even before Ferguson, even, you know, we, people have been fighting, you know, police brutality for generations. And so at this point, I think it's important that all of our communities come together to make sure that we fight for justice and that we fight for justice for Angelo Quinto as a symbol for fighting for justice for all the people, all the families who have been affected by police brutality, by white supremacy, by all the kinds of systems that have made our communities not feel free and not be able to breathe freely in our world. Thank you, Allison. That's the voice of Allison Tintianco Kubalis, professor of ethnic studies at San Francisco State University, also helping to organize the birthday vigil for Angelo Quinto. And remember, you can search uh, Justice for Angelo Quinto. That's Q-U-I-N-T-O um, on Facebook, Instagram, 
And what was the other one? You're starting a photo campaign. That would be on the Facebook page as well? Yeah, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can also look at uh, change.org, on Twitter. Um, Angelo is, is taking over um, all social media platforms. Yes. And um, of course, I will have links to all that information on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Also, the invitation to the Candlelight Birthday Vigil, which will be at the Antioch City Park Wednesday, March 10th, Angelo's birthday, 5 p.m. And the Antioch City Park is located at the corner of 10th and A Street in Antioch. Come out early and hold the sign. We'll be out on the corner um, seeking justice for Angelo. And I will just send a message out to the family that they know that the community of Antioch is here. We're not believing the POA because we know how they operate. We know um, the family. We're with the family and we're going to stay with the family and fight for justice for Angelo and we're fighting for the future of Antioch. And just FYI, Antioch, after Angelo was killed, there was another man killed, which was only about a week and a half ago. And that was um, Arturo Gomez um, Kalel. So we're reaching out, trying to find his family. And if you know who that man is, um, you can reach out to the Justice for Angelo page anywhere that um, we could find him. So again, Allison Tintianco Kubalis, professor of ethnic studies at San Francisco State. I appreciate your time and speaking with me today on KPFA Full Circle. Thank you. Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer, you're the killing us, Mr. Officer, what if that was my brother? Off of the earth, I see the police and it fuck with my nerves. They pulling me over, I'm showing them both of my hands and watching my words. I got insurance, no warrants. He pointing his gun like he wanna blow it. Tell me why we gotta die. He went for his wallet, reached for a gun. You think that's some city a try? On a cop, he can't breathe me. You still choking him, man? Why would he lie? Yo, knee in his neck. You ain't gotta do all that. It's one against five. R.I.P. Right now it's seeming like their job is to make it tragic for us. Crazy part about it, it only happened to us. They brought us here against our will. Now they ain't happy with us. That's crazy. Now they talking about be cool. No, let people do what they do. I see a lot of people not saying nothing like, what if that was you? Huh? What if that was your brother? What if that was your dad? What if that was your son? What if that was all you?
All right, welcome back. That powerful song goes out to the Quinto family with my heart. And that was T. Grizzly featuring Queen Naija and the Detroit Youth Choir. I think we're all feeling that right now for the Quinto family. And before we took that music break, you heard my interview with Alan, uh, with Allison Tintianco Kubalas, professor of ethnic studies at San Francisco State University. Thank you for joining me again tonight on Full Circle. And a quick reminder to get all the links that we talked about about Angelo Quinto in the interview. Just go to kpfaapprentice.org just after the show. Or you could search online for Justice for Angelo Quinto. That's Q-U-I-N-T-O. Also, just a quick reminder, we are asking for support tonight for KPFA and the Pacifica Network. Don't forget, KPFA is a listener-sponsored station and has been that way since 1949. In fact, we are the first listener-sponsored station in the country. Let's keep that going. If you are able tonight to help out, please go to kpfa.org and make a donation if you can. If you want to make a call and actually talk to a person, you can do that by go, uh, by calling 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732. Or you can help us out on kpfa.org. There you can see many gifts to choose from, even our Knowledge is Power Black History Collection, which goes to anyone who makes a donation of any size. Just be sure to leave an email. This includes Maya Angelou and Langston Hughes. I want to thank everybody that has donated already. We all appreciate it here at KPFA, and thank you greatly. Now I want to move on to a special treat we have for you all. And I'm just going to throw it over to First Voice graduate, Theodora Adkins. Thank you, Frank. Here on First Voice, Black History is more than just a month. We celebrate African heritage 24-7, 365 days a year. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the 1920s and the Harlem Renaissance. While the Harlem Renaissance happened 100 years ago, the similarities between that time and today are uncanny. The Harlem Renaissance was the first time in American history that black Americans lifted their voices and showed the world who they really were and what they could do. This is Theodora presenting Bring It Forward, the Harlem Renaissance Revisited. What do Langston Hughes, County Cullen, Claude McKay, Bessie Smith, Zora Neale Hurston, and Josephine Baker have in common? They were all creative artists and social justice activists who were some of the key voices of the electrifying period known as the Harlem Renaissance. Tell me of Harlem way, the 
Hello, my name is Theodora. Welcome to Bring It Forward, the Harlem Renaissance Revisited. I don't know about you, but I need a break from all this scary coronavirus stuff and the civil implosion that has been swirling around us for nearly a year now. So, let's take a brief respite, shall we? Climb aboard my time capsule and let's take a ride back to the 1920s and the Harlem Renaissance. Now it's composed of every dance from 1902. Young and old came up and pranced to one-step shag and Susie Q. Every night at the old Savoy, you hear them swing a Floyd Doy. You jump right up and wrong and do that Harlem song. This is Theodora presenting Bring It Forward, the Harlem Renaissance Revisited. You've been listening to Harlem Stomp, recorded by Louis Satchmo Armstrong, a Nolan son of the Harlem Renaissance who was 19 years old in 1920. Known for his amazing improvisational solo jazz style and his raspy voice, Armstrong legitimized jazz worldwide and enjoyed an illustrious career that spanned over 50 years. The years preceding 1920 had been rough all over the world. The combination of World War I and the Spanish flu had taken a heavy toll, leaving a deep recession and a staggering death count in its wake. The pandemic that started in 1918 had closed down businesses, schools, churches, and theaters. Americans were reeling from having to shelter in place, quarantine, social distance, and wear masks. When life finally returned to normal, Americans went buck wild and ushered in a new era called the Roaring Twenties. Sometimes referred to as the Jazz Age, this period of economic prosperity was fueled by America's financial dominance, highlighted by mass production and consumerism. America was manufacturing automobiles, electrical appliances, telephones, and much more. And Americans were buying it as fast as America could make it. Dance, jazz, radio, motion pictures, sports arenas, high-profile athletes, and movie stars were all the rage. And at the center of it all was the Harlem Renaissance. The Harlem Renaissance, sometimes called the New Negro Movement, marked the rebirth of the Negro and showed the world that black people could do much more than pick cotton, cook, clean, take care of white folks' houses, and raise their children. It was an artistic, cultural, and intellectual social movement that launched and propelled the careers of many African-American painters, sculptors, 
Photographers, filmmakers, poets, writers, musicians, singers, dancers, actors, playwrights, philosophers, journalists, intellectuals, and scholars. Here is Harvard historian Henry Louis Gates' documentary, Many Rivers to Cross, speaking to author Isabel Wilkerson and historian Brent Hayes Edwards about the Harlem Renaissance. The Harlem Renaissance is one of the most iconic cultural periods in African-American history. Throughout the decade of the 1920s, black writing, art, and music flourished, ushering in a cultural revolution that rocked the United States. One of the most important factors that accounted for the rise of what we know of as the Harlem Renaissance is the migration of black peoples from the South to urban centers like Harlem. The Jim Crow era began after Reconstruction, and every Southern African American had to think about what should we do? Should we go or should we stay? For many of these people, it was a matter of life and death, literally. Sometimes in the most repressive times, we create the most extraordinary art. Amidst the fervor of the Great Migration, bold, exciting forms of black music evolved, along with venues to listen and dance to this music. Blues and jazz clubs became a central part of life in Harlem, where artists such as Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington, Bessie and Mamie Smith, rose to prominence. The era also saw the burgeoning of literary work by and about African Americans, which the writer Alain Locke compiled into an anthology. He called it The New Negro, and its name came to define a movement. The Harlem Renaissance is a facet of a larger movement that we think of as the New Negro Movement, where you have a new generation of black people by this point two generations out of slavery, using the arts as a way to help people gain broader civil and political rights. Some of the framers of what became the Renaissance make the argument that the artistic worth of a people has to be proven by the worth of the art and literature they produced, especially for people that historically, over centuries, have been defined as without culture, without history, and without any record of achievement. The Harlem Renaissance was the flowering of creativity that had been suppressed for centuries. People that had the sense that things were opening up and finally, 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 we can be the people that we imagine ourselves to be. You've just heard Henry Louis Gates from Many Rivers to Cross speaking about the Harlem Renaissance. This is Theodora presenting Bring It Forward, the Harlem Renaissance Revisited. You're listening to Eubie Blake and his Shuffle Along Orchestra with music from the hit Broadway musical comedy Shuffle Along, which opened in 1921 at the Court Theater in New York. It was the first successful black musical on Broadway. 
Lofton Mitchell, author of Black Drama, the story of the American Negro in the theater, says that Shuffle Along launched the Harlem Renaissance. It ran for over 500 performances and proved that a show featuring an all-black cast could be successful while at the same time defying racial stereotypes that had been entrenched in America's imagination for centuries. The play was written by Flournoy Miller and Aubrey Lyles, with vaudevillians Ubi Blake and Noble Sissel writing the music and lyrics. Twenty-five-year-old Florence Mills landed the lead role in Shuffle Along. Mills, known as the Queen of Happiness, popularized syncopated song and dance. She credited Shuffle Along as launching her career. Mills was the first African-American to be featured in Vogue magazine back in 1925. She also appeared in Vanity Fair magazine. Florence Mills is known as the first black international superstar. Unfortunately, no recordings of her trademark song, I'm a Little Blackbird Looking for a Bluebird, nor any others can be found. Sadly, Florence Mills passed away in 1927 at the age of 31. Two sons of the Harlem Renaissance, Duke Ellington, 21 years old in 1920, and Fats Waller, who was just 16 in 1920, memorialized Florence Mills through song. You've been listening to Duke Ellington's song, Black Beauty, which he dedicated to Florence Mills in 1928. Let's listen to the Fats Waller 1927 song, Bye-bye, Florence. Away. They call you Blackbird. 
Poet, novelist, and activist Langston Hughes was a mere 18 years old in 1920 and is touted as the leading voice of the Harlem Renaissance. Here is Langston Hughes reciting his poem, The Negro Speaks of Rivers, published in 1920. This is The Negro Speaks of Rivers, one of my earliest poems written in 1920, just after I came out of high school. The way this poem came to be written was that I was going to Mexico to visit my father, who lived in Mexico City, and on the train going across the Mississippi River, just outside St. Louis, I looked out the window and I saw this great muddy river flowing down toward the heart of the south, and I began to think about what this river meant to the Negro people, how, in a sense, our history was linked to this river, how in slavery time, my grandmother told me that to be sold down the Mississippi was one of the worst things that could happen to a Negro slave. And then uh, I remembered that I'd read about Abraham Lincoln going down the Mississippi as a young man, and he went on a raft to New Orleans, and he saw human beings bought and sold in the slave market there, and he was so horrified by this that he never forgot it. And many years later, of course, we know that it was Lincoln who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And so, uh, as the train went on into the gathering dusk, because it had been about sunset when we crossed the river, I took my father's letter out of my pocket and began to write down on the back of his letter this poem, The Negro Speaks of Rivers. I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans, and I've seen its muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient, dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. Welcome back to Bring It Forward, the Harlem Renaissance Revisited. I'm Theodora and you just heard Langston Hughes reciting poetry from the 1920s. Bessie Smith, nicknamed the Empress of Blues, was a very influential voice of the Harlem Renaissance. Here she is singing St. Louis Blues recorded in 1925 when she was 31 years old. My man's got a Like a rock in the sea. My man's got a 
Another very notable voice of the era was Jamaican-born American poet Claude McKay. He was 32 years old in 1920. Let's listen to him reading his poem, If We Must Die, written during the 1919 Red Summer. The Red Summer was a six-month period when white supremacist terrorism and racial riots took place in over 35 cities across the United States. If We Must Die is the poem that makes me a poet among colored Americans. If we must die, let it not be like hogs hunted and penned in an inglorious pot while round us bark the mad and hungry dogs, making their mock at our accursed lot. If we must die, oh, let us nobly die, so that our precious blood may not be shed in vain. Then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us, though dead. Oh, kinsmen, we must meet the common foe, though far outnumbered, let us show us brave, and for their thousand blows deal one death blow. What though before us lies the open grave? Like men we'll face the murderous cowardly pack, pressed to the wall, dying but fighting back. County Cullen, a powerful voice of the Harlem Renaissance, was married to the daughter of prominent Harlem Renaissance scholar, sociologist, novelist, and editor, W.E.B. Du Bois. Connie Cullen is credited as having written one of the greatest poems to emerge from the Harlem Renaissance. Let's listen to Heritage, written in 1925 by County Cullen, when he was 22 years old. I'd like to read Heritage for you. I think there is no more powerful thing than poetry. There is no stronger thing than song. In sun and rain and leafy trees, it wafts the timid soul along on crested waves of melody. But I'm digressing. Here is Heritage. What is Africa to me? Copper sun or scarlet sea, jungle star or jungle track, strong bronze men or regal black women from whose loins I sprang when the birds of Eden sang. One three centuries removed from the scenes his fathers loved, spicy groves, cinnamon trees, what is Africa to me? So I lie who all day long want no sound except the song sung by wild barbaric birds, goading massive jungle herds, 
juggernauts of flesh that pass, trampling tall defiant grass, where young forest lovers lie, plighting troth beneath the sky. So I lie, who always hear, though I cram against my ear both my thumbs and keep them there, great drums throbbing through the air. So I lie, whose fount of pride, dear distress and joy allied, is my somber flesh and skin, with the dark blood damned within, like great pulsing tides of wine, that I fear must burst the fine channels of the chafing net, where they surge and foam and fret. Africa, a book one thumbs listlessly till slumber comes. Unremembered are her bats circling through the night, her cats crouching in the river reeds, stalking gentle flesh that feeds by the river brink. No more does the bugle-throated roar cry that monarch claws have leapt from the scabbards where they slept. Silver snakes that once a year doff the lovely coats you wear. Seek no covert in your fear lest a mortal eye should see. What's your nakedness to me? Here no leprous flowers rear fierce corollas in the air. Here no bodies sleek and wet, dripping mingled rain and sweat, tread the savage measures of jungle boys and girls in love. What is last year's snow to me? Last year's anything. The tree budding yearly must forget how it's past a rose or Bough and blossom, flower, fruit, even what shy bird with mute wonder at her travail there, meekly labored in its hair. One three centuries removed from the scenes his fathers loved, spicy groves, cinnamon trees, what is Africa to me? The revolutionary genius of anthropologist, folklorist, and novelist Zora Neale Hurston left an indelible footprint on the Harlem Renaissance. Let's listen to Zora Neale Hurston, That Old Black Gal. spiking song that I got down there in Miami and was sung by Max Ford, the singing line on this construction crew. Used for spiking down the rails. <clears throat> that old black girl keep on grumbling new pair of shoes Lord it would be impossible to talk about the Harlem Renaissance and not mention dancer, singer, activist Josephine Baker, who was just 14 years old in 1920. Baker was fondly referred to as the Black Venus. She renounced her American citizenship in 1937 and became a French national. 
Though Baker was not a part of the original 1921 Shuffle Along, she joined the cast in 1923 for its national tour, which helped propel her to international stardom. Tell me why must I stay here all alone? I want to go where you go. Do what you do. Love when you love, and I'll be happy. I want to sigh when you sigh. Cry, you will cry. Smile when you smile, and I'll be happy. If you go north, south, if you go east, or west, I'll follow you around, sweetheart. Hear your little old man. I want to go where you go. Do what you do. While the Harlem Renaissance changed how white America viewed the American Negro, it also provided new fodder for American exploitation of the exceptional talent, creativity, intellect, and labor of African Americans and that exploitation has continued to this day. Sadly, the era known as the Harlem Renaissance started to wane after the crash of 1929. The ensuing economic downturn of the Great Depression left the movement virtually unsustainable by the mid-1930s. Yet, the creativity, artistry, intellectual voices, and activism of African Americans birthed during this period lives on to the present. I've always said if I could choose any time in the history of America to be alive, that era would be the exciting period of the Harlem Renaissance. I hope you've enjoyed this Sankofa moment remembering the Harlem Renaissance as much as I have. By the way, Sankofa is an African word from the Akan tribe in Ghana that prompts us to examine our history, fetch the wisdom from the past, bring that knowledge forward into the present, and use the lessons learned to propel us into a brighter future. You've been listening to Bring It Forward, the Harlem Renaissance Revisited. This is Theodora encouraging you to find your right mind, preserve your sanity, and always protect your humanity. Be safe out there. I want to go where you go, do what you do, love when you love, and I'll be happy. I want to sigh when you sigh. Cry when you cry, smile when you smile, then I'll be happy. If you go north or south, if you go east or west, I'll follow your arms, sweetheart. Share your little love. Welcome back to Full Circle. This is Theodora. You've just heard the first episode of Bring It Forward, a look back at the 1920s. Stay tuned for the next episode of Bring It Forward, coming soon when we'll take a look at Marcus Garvey and the Black Nationalist Movement. Back to you, Frank. Thanks again, Theodora. We are looking forward to more from you. Keep up the good work, and it's been wonderful to have your voice back on the air. Also, one 
another quick reminder we are asking for your support tonight for kpfa if you can make a donation tonight go to kpfa.org and support the station that's been listener sponsored since 1949 and we're still here bringing you this critical information one more time it's kpfa.org or 1-800-439-5732 i appreciate everybody that donated we are out of time tonight that brings me to the end of tonight's show remember check out our website kpfaapprentice.org just after the show for all the important links and information concerning the birthday vigil for Angelo Quinto. You will also find pictures and archived shows there. Shout out to our producers tonight, Theodore Adkins and myself, Freewell and Franklin. And one more shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And again, me, Frank Sterling. I have been your host, Freewell and Franklin. Thanks for joining me tonight. And everyone, remember, please, while you're out there, protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned because coming up right now on KPFA is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.